everybody. This is Kimberly. And this is Katie. And you're listening to A Date with Dateline. This episode is called Secrets, Secrets in the Ozarks. We never really finished our secret series that we were doing for Patreon. We kind of started to run out, but now we have a new one. Did we do Secrets of the Emerald Coast? We did that one. We did? Okay. Yeah. Isn't there a Secrets in the Snow? Footprints in the Snow. Secrets in the Snow. Yeah, there is one about the snow that I know you want to do. Mm-hmm. But I pick really special ones for Patreon, like that or is I true. try to. So sometimes they're oh, yeah. just not Patreon worthy, like DB Cooper worthy. DB Cooper is what we're doing, and we're going to solve it. Katie is solving this crime. Don't put this pressure on me. We are solving this crime as a team. Okay, Mm-mm. it's done. We- I mean, I have already seen it, and so I can't wait for you to watch the next two episodes. We did it last month. We did the first two episodes of Netflix's "Where Are You, DB Cooper?" DB Cooper, where are you? I think it's called. It's very Scooby Doo. Yeah. This month we're doing the final two episodes and we're solving it. Sure. So consider it solved. Also, if you're not, check us out on our Patreon or Supercast. Extra special Supercast. Either or, we are covering Jewish Matchmaker. What's it called? Jewish Matchmaking, which is a sequel to Indian Matchmaking Mm -hmm. that I was covering with Mary Payne on Pink Shade, but now it's the three of us and we're talking about it on our bonus content as well. It's so much fun. It's very fun. So check it out. Yeah. So this is Secrets in the Ozark. Since I never got past season one of Ozark, can I cite this episode and then people will stop making me feel bad about never finishing that show? I didn't get past episode two of season one, if it makes you feel any better. So there you go. This is season 31, episode 33, June 2nd, 2023, hosted by Dennis Murphy. I feel like it's been forever. I know it hasn't been that long, but I do feel like it's been a long time. Don't know why. It feels like it's been a month and a half, at least, or maybe two months. We are in Arkansas, that part of the Ozark. If you like, he is getting folksy here. It's sometimes hard to read when I write it folksy because it doesn't sound correct. Mm -hmm. If you like, you can just let your ears direct you to the sounds of the fiddle and the sweet songs of the dulcimer, which I did not have to Google. It's a stringed instrument, Katie. But I thought I would explain it to you just in case you didn't know. Is it when uh, you hold flat and do like a tickling motion? Sure. Okay, cool. Mountain View is the considered the folk music capital of the world by the people in Mountain View. Not sure about people outside of Mountain View. Was that shade? Because <laughs> yeah. it felt like a little shady. Yeah. He's like oh. the self-appointed folk music capital. You'll hear ballads of faithful lovers turned to murderous ruin. And it's a very small town. There's like maybe a stoplight. In 2004, we're going back a long time, Rebecca Gould, she was 22 years old, going to community college to hopefully become a Razorback at the University of Arkansas at Fayetteville. And I did have to Google what a Razorback was. It's a pig, right? It does look to be like a hog of some sort. It is a large piggy. Yeah. So Rebecca drove home from Fayetteville for a visit to see her family and Casey, her on-again, off-again boyfriend. Now, Casey, the photos we're seeing of Casey, I can't tell right away if he's a bag of wieners or if I am predisposed to think of him as a bag of wieners because he looks almost exactly like Ryan Macy's ex on Teen Mom, who was... The biggest bow to ever bow. Yeah, wow. Yeah, he was. And still is. Get Dr. Drew on the phone. 
Dr. Drew's never hard enough on him and his parents, his enabling parents. Don't get me started. Denial. Denial is strong. Yeah. So here's the problem I had with all of the pictures we keep seeing of Casey is that he looks very different in every picture. So I couldn't get a good read on him just because he kept sort of looking different. Mm -hmm. Does he have a little, okay, go with me. Ryan from Teen Mom crossed with Evan Peters. Yeah, yeah. Okay, there we go. And Evan Peters. But dark sort of, hair. A lot of the pictures he has like sort of lighter hair. I only saw brown hair. So he might be a bow. Rebecca doesn't show up on Monday to drive her sisters, Tiffany and Angela, back to Fayetteville. And her mom ends up calling the police. Dennis is doing a ride along. Mark it off your bingo cards. By the way, brand new bingo cards. 2023 bingo cards are coming to our website soon a date with dayline.com thank you so, so much august a deputy goes to talk to casey where he worked at sonic mark fast food off your bingo cards what if i did a dateline fast food crawl like a pub crawl and i just anytime there was a fast food place on dateline i had to go eat there just you you don't want to include me in this at all we don't live in the same place you keep thinking we do I keep trying to explain to you that I have fast food that you don't have. So you would have to include me in this because some of them you're physically not going to be able to get to until you get your van. So right right Um, now you're going to need my help, whether you want it or not. No, I want it. Thrust upon you. What if there's like a Bucky's or a... Whataburger. What? Oh, yeah. Also, I don't eat... I don't think I eat anything there. You could go and get fries fries and a soda at every fast food. Although Sonic is really going to disappoint you. Okay. But they have good drinks. Remember all the drinks? Oh, the, they have the good ice? The good ice and a million options. Yeah. It, it's exciting. And a million like flurry type things. Oh, okay. That sounds good. Yeah, Sonic is only for the drinks. So Casey says Rebecca was supposed to pick him up at Sonic after his shift that day, but she never showed up. And instead of being concerned like a good on-again, off-again boyfriend, he went out partying with his friends and did not return home until the next day. Now, does hmm. this mean he's a murderer or does it just mean he's a bag of wieners? Bag of wieners explains away a lot of this behavior. Yeah. How old is he? He's like 19 or 20. Well, she was 22. I think he was around the same age. Oh, okay. So Dennis goes to the house with the deputy, which is now run over with like weeds and stuff. And Dennis says, the property and the house are a mess. Very judgy. Dennis likes lawns that are well-maintained. Keep your weeds in check if Dennis is coming to your house, people. I think that Dennis is also saying that because it's clear that it's abandoned. Yeah. And there might be a slew of people that don't pay property taxes living inside. That's possible. Mm -hmm. Keep the squatters away from Dennis. Mm -hmm. So the deputy sees that Rebecca's car is at Casey's house. Her purse is on the table. Her dog is there, but she's gone. And the linen on the bed was stripped. The mattress has a blood stain on the bottom of it. It's horrible. Mm. The washing machine has sheets in it, and there's blood in the bleach dispenser. Brands unhappy being on Dateline, this washing machine did not a good job. Most washing machines are like, we can get out blood stains. Murder whoever you want. We'll get it out. And then this one just like leaves blood all encrusted in there. Ugh. Yeah. Dennis says, this sounds like trouble, Sheriff. <laughs> I love when these go. Oh, chewy. Dennis. I wish he had said, this sounds like trouble, Sheriff. Trouble with a capital T. 
and that rhymes with P, and then and that stands for, and he had trailed off really dramatically waiting for the sheriff to say pool. That's what I hoped would have happened. And the sheriff would just go, problematic? Right. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't know music, man. No. So there's blood on the wall and bloody pillows and clothes under the bed. I don't like this half-butt cleanup. I know sometimes they start to clean up and then they panic. Commit to cleaning up or don't clean up. Yeah. So her sisters don't seem that concerned because she apparently is a wild child and sometimes disappears. And they think she's just pulling another stunt. Like, oh, how Rebecca does. And her dad says she was always a rebel. She was never scared of anything. She's a tiny, tiny girl, but she was never scared of anything. After her parents divorced, very messy family situation, which is not really has anything to do with her case, but maybe her dad and mom fought for custody of the girls and the mom would move around a lot and the girls wound up in foster care sometimes. Mm. And the dad was a dentist and very stable and he wanted to get the girls but couldn't get the girls. But he was trying to get the girls the whole time? Is that what was happening? Yeah. And we're getting, our main interview is Tiffany who is a porcelain doll. So pretty. And wow. Angela, the sister, and dad, Larry. Mm-hmm. So Casey told detectives that the night before, he and Rebecca rented movies. Oh, nostalgia. Blockbuster, maybe. Yeah, maybe. And they were hanging out at his house, and she saw someone outside on the dirt road. And it turns out his cousin, Billy, had come by for 10 or 15 minutes, and they talked in the driveway, kind of. Hmm. And then Casey and Rebecca went to bed. Rebecca dropped him off at Sonic the next morning. Sorry, why did Billy come by? Unclear. Okay. And she didn't show up to pick him up in the afternoon at Sonic and wouldn't answer the phone. But he does not worry until the next day when the cops come. So does he just get mad? What happens here? I think they were that... Were they that on again, off again that or she was kind of flaky and would just disappear? That he's like, she's pissed about something. She's not going to come and get me. My friends are going to the movies. It's 2004. They're going to see Zoolander. I don't know. So I don't, that was a, I just pulled that. I don't know what yours is. It Zoolander could be. If out. it is, I'm going to be amazed. If I know. It's 2004. That, be, that would that be, be amazing. Yeah. No idea. So he tells no police, you should check out her old boyfriend, Justin Gullet, the bad boy. And he also looks like a second Ryan from Teen Mom. This is a he bag looked of like Wieners Ryan. heavy episode. He was the one to me that looked like Ryan. Mm-hmm. And the other, I see, I don't know why. She has a tight hair. I'm going back. I'm looking. All right. You are watching on your phone. We do always have to clarify that you're watching on your phone. Yeah, but I get good, good clear vision on my phone. Okay. So <laughs> the Ozark. Lots of woods. Detectives are searching on horseback and four-wheeler. You know I love hearing more about the search party. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All departments chip in. The fire department, game and fish department. Because there's underbrush and thorns and caves and wells and steep, thick terrain, which is also how I describe my figure. Skitters. Skitters in the rough. Skitters in the rut. Rut. That's how I describe my figure. (laughs) So... Her sisters think, yeah, maybe she is with her ex, Justin. She kind of thought of Justin as the one that got away, to which I say, him in her purse was a letter from Justin saying he loved her. And then you're thinking, did Casey see that letter and get mad? What's happening? Love triangle. Mm -hmm. Police can't track down Justin for two days. And in typical Bag of Wieners fashion, he has been at a casino with his father. 
and unreachable by phone, even though his ex is missing. Yeah. Sounds right. Mm -hmm. He says he hasn't seen her. A week into the search, sadly, her body is finally found off a steep mountain highway in a very rural area. And the saddest part is that her father, who's a dentist, has to pull her dental records to give them to the police to make the match. Oh, that hurts. I know. She was killed with blunt force trauma, rage. They can't say if there was SA or not because her body was decomposed. Hmm. Her sisters have to plan the funeral. They find a pink casket. Her dad gives the eulogy and he's holding himself together so well during this interview with Dennis, the dad. And then Dennis says, and there's your girl in the coffin. (laughs) I said out loud, Dennis. Dennis. And then the dad who had been holding it together starts crying. And there's your girl in a coffin. Okay. In Dennis's defense, because I will always defend Dennis. Of course. It's been 20 some years. Mm -hmm. And that in Dennis. It's been 19 years. Dennis is the epitome of a straight shooter. Yeah, he is. So he's just, this is the reality of the situation, dad. Yeah. And I'm surprised he didn't say, and there's your girl in a coffin, dad. I'm shocked (laughs) that dad was not part of the sentence. Yeah. But for some reason in this moment, I think probably because of the dad's extreme reaction, it seems unbelievably too, too straightforward. Yeah. So her dog, Rebecca's dog, Lady, is at the funeral, which broke my heart. I can't with the dog. And apparently the dog barked at a poignant moment. And Dennis says to the dad, oh, was the dog delivering from channels unknown? And the dad says, yes, I truly believe that that was like Rebecca looking down on us. And it's this beautiful spiritual moment. And Dennis in voiceover says, a moment of peace, perhaps, to cling to. And I was like, okay, Dennis, I get it. You don't believe in spirituality. Do you think that's what that was? It could be. A moment of peace, perhaps, to cling to in desperation, even though we know it was just a coincidence and the dog saw a squirrel. Oh, boy. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I just, I love Dennis. I can't explain how much I love him. So in the house, there's a piano leg that's missing. And apparently this piano leg had been loose and would fall over a lot, which does not seem safe at all. Huh. Can you explain the piano to me? It looked like it was on its side. Thank you. Why is this piano on its side? Is Or is it like not, it's on its side because they were examining for the piano leg or is it always on its side? How many times, is this the Three Stooges? How many times has an anvil and a piano fallen on someone in that house? Yeah, it couldn't be, it couldn't be upright. It no. couldn't be upright on three legs. There's no circumstance Maybe that that could. would happen. I don't know the no. weight balance no. No. of a... No piano it's the heaviest item it's always the first item if you're moving the asker the movers will say do you have a piano next (laughs) question do you have a gun safe (laughs) those are the two things that apparently are just impossibly heavy to move so forget washer dryer refrigerator those are all fine yeah gun safe piano we're gonna charge you more yeah i have an elliptical i'm trying to get rid of i don't know who's gonna take it you might have to pay someone to take it but i do think there might be a lot of funny drunken shenanigans around this piano (laughs) and the one missing leg, and why it's always on its side. And I think StoryWorth is a great place to share those kind of stories. Oh, yeah. Father's Day is coming up, and I thought I knew my dad pretty well. 
But occasionally my dad will drop these stories and I'll be like, what was your life like? Because now I know what his life was like. He goes to the park every day at five o'clock and the dads talk politics and the stock market until they hate each other. And then they decide they're not going to talk about stocks and politics. And they just talk about baseball and their dogs. And a man brings over a glass of wine and it's his wine time. And they meet at five o'clock with all their dogs. Somebody doesn't even have a dog, maybe just comes over with wine. And all the dads just stand out there. It's adorable. And one guy drinks wine? Yeah. And the rest watch him drink his wine? Yeah. He doesn't just bring it to share? No. What? Who's that guy? Okay, I I have so many questions. This is why story worth is important. I know. So I just think that's what your dad's life is because you're used to your parents just as they are now. Yeah. That's what story worth is perfect for. It's a perfect gift for Father's Day for any father figure in your life. It's about preserving stories, sharing them for years to come. Every week, StoryWorth emails your dad a thought-provoking question, and you get to help choose from all these lists of questions. Like, what's your fondest childhood memory? Have you ever feared for your life? Did you wear inexplicably short shorts for no reason in the 70s? (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Katie just sent me a photo of her dad wearing incredibly short shorts. Tight and short. And my mom said that she used to buy them in packs of five. Because I never remember him wearing any other shorts but those shorts. This is what StoryWorth is for. Because dads aren't going to open up about that stuff, but they might open up to a computer, to an email, Mm -hmm. and they just have to type in their story. And then you can get those answers sent to you. And then also at the end of the year, StoryWorth compiles all of them in and photos, if you enter photos, into a beautiful keepsake book that the family can have for generations. It really is the most amazing way to get dads out of their shell to kind of hear their stories. They might have been in a war. They yeah. never talk about it. Or maybe they brag about it all the time, but it's... But only at the park with the one guy with wine. Yeah. Give the fathers in your life a meaningful gift you can both cherish for years to come. Story worth. Right now for a limited time, you can save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com slash date dateline. That's S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash date dateline to save $10 on your first purchase. Storyworth.com slash date dateline. Honestly, it's such a good gift. Guaranteed tears and joy. And you keep it for generations. It becomes a keepsake. Highly recommend. Highly recommend. Thank you so much, Storyworth. Thank because you. Because every story is worth it. Oh, that's good. So Rebecca's suitcase is gone and they think someone wanted to make it look like she just left, but they also left her purse there at the house and her dog there at the house. This the is dog is the giveaway. Dumb criminal. Yeah. You pack a suitcase with some bloody sheets, but then you leave the other bloody sheets in the washing machine. You l- take the suitcase, but you leave a purse and a dog. I mean, thank God you left the dog. But And at this point, I knew who it was. I knew who the killer was. You did. Yeah, I did. Because there is a trope and this fits it. Yeah. So police think it's Casey. Dennis says romantic entanglements can be part of the cocktail of homicide. Might have to add that to my list of quotes. Yeah, that was that was good. Rebecca had told her father that Casey was getting very possessive in their on again, off again thing, and she was ready to permanently break it off with him. So maybe she did, and he didn't like that. But Casey's friends say he was soft-spoken. He was very musical. He would sing while they were working their shifts at the Sonic, and it was kind of annoying. So 
His family says, or his friends say he was soft-spoken. He was a singer, very nice guy. Dennis asks his friends, did Casey know he was twisting slowly in the wind here? And the friends are utterly confused for a second because they don't know gumshoe talk, Dennis. So Dennis has to clarify and say, you know, did they know the investigators were looking at him? And they say, oh, yeah, yeah, they knew. I loved these friends for some reason, Laren and Philip. Yeah, I think they might have been bows as teenagers, but they seem like great guys now. They've grown up and been, I think a lot of bows turn into, you know, yeah. So police interview Casey a bunch of times. They have no proof that Rebecca dropped him off in the morning at Sonic. So they were like, maybe he killed her way before. Or maybe she didn't show up and he got really angry in the afternoon and then he killed her. They say, why would he go out with his friends if his girlfriend didn't show up? And again, he's a bow. That's all you need to know. But what does he say? What's his answer right now? He's like, I don't know. I figured she was pissed off or something and my friends were there. So I think he didn't think about it for even a second. I didn't. Exactly. Like I couldn't get a hold of her. So I just went out with them. It's literally just point A to point B. There's no thinking behind it. None. And if you're trying to assign a logic thinking to a bow, then Mm -hmm. you're going to get confused. The detective is trying. Police talked to all of his friends. He was at work all day. And then they drove to the Sonic and they saw him waiting outside without a ride. And they said, we're going to the movies. And he said, okay. And they have receipts. They have ticket stubs from the movie. They... They have tickets he, from the fast food after the movie. Yeah, they mention a fast food right now. Yeah. Is it Hardee's? I think it's Hardee's. Some Hastings, which I think is a restaurant. Okay. Too. Something like with a Denny's. an H. Might be like a Denny's. So investigators think, okay, Rebecca, we think now did drop off Casey in the morning because they find out from someone that she went to this convenience store, the Possum Trot, which sounds like animal droppings to me. Yeah, I've I, got it. I've got it here. There's Possum Possum Trot Restaurant in Oakwood, Illinois. A Possum Trot in Kentucky that's 107 miles from me. Okay. That's a schlep, but... And then there's a ton of other things listed here, like three Possum Trot roads, a po- possum, two Possum Trot Creeks, This is a convenience store in Arkansas. I'm just shocked that there's so many things with the name Possum Trot. It is not a good name. It makes me think there's a possum waddling across the road, leaving little pellets, and you're following the trail. That your brain is going there, because I'm automatically thinking of a not very good ballroom dance. That's not the fox trot. trot, It's the Possum Trot. But to me, it's reminding me of like bunny rabbit, little pellets. And it's so not appetizing. You were thinking of a possum's hot drops, and I was thinking <laughs> of a possum that's hot to trot. Exactly. So an eyewitness saw her at the possum trot that morning after she dropped off Casey. So they also find a breakfast sandwich and coffee from the possum trot at Casey's house. And apparently, Rebecca would do this thing where she would go get breakfast early in the morning, and then she would put it in the microwave and go back to bed, which is why I have a zone two size beautiful body because I've never once saved food for later like that. Not a once. That is foreign to me. Oh. If I am up in time to get McDonald's, it's a very special occasion. I get the McDonald's, I eat the McDonald's. I would never put the McDonald's away. I don't like reheating food. It's either cold when I eat it or hot. There's no reheated. Oh, that's good for you. I wish I didn't often get distracted 
enough to eat food when it was hot. But the breakfast food reheated is not my favorite. Doesn't sound that appetizing, but maybe it's good. I just, I have a weird thing about reheating food. So I would just rather eat it cold or not at all. Do you think? So I eat it hot. Do you think something bad's going to happen if you, I'm just wondering if you. No, it's a texture thing. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So she did that often. So her sister's like, that makes total sense. She would have picked up the food. But the coffee. And coffee. So they clear Casey, which is shocking. And I know everyone was thinking he did it. So they think she got killed when she got home. Now you're going to want to start a flow chart here for all of the suspects. They talked to Casey's dad, Claude, Claude McCullough. And he was a truck driver on the road in Kentucky with a trainee. So he literally has an airtight alibi. Claude's a good name. There's not enough Claude's. Claude. Mm-hmm. Casey also has three brothers who also have alibis. Police also talk to cousin Billy, the one that stopped by the night before, and it doesn't lead anywhere. Tips pour in for weeks. Apparently, she used to run with a tough crowd. And so the rumor mill is going nuts. Mark off small town rumor mill. Everyone is mentioning a former Sonic coworker, Jennifer Turner, who had gotten pregnant from the D-bag ex, Justin. So not Casey, but that first ex, who also looks like Ryan from Teen Mom, had knocked up this girl, Jennifer, who was a co-worker at Sonic when Rebecca also used to work at Sonic. And Jennifer was very jealous because Justin was still in love with Rebecca and had written that letter. We but don't know when that letter was written. We don't know, but it was in her purse. So why did she have that letter in her purse? She looked like she had a lot of stuff in her purse. Can <laughs> I ask you what's in your purse? Because I'm feeling like you have some stuff in your purse that's not recent. Yeah, that's true. Me too. Oh, I got it happens. I have to do a DMV thing. That's in my purse. So oh. Jennifer says, Rebecca was one of my best friends. She, I loved her. But other people are saying, we heard you say we would be better off if she was dead. Me and Justin would be better off with our love child if she was out of the picture. But no, you were best friends. Jennifer, mm. shady. Yeah. But Jennifer has an alibi. She was shopping in a town 60 miles away, which is, again, shocks me, but it's something you do in a very small town, I guess. You do like target runs that are hours away. Yeah. And you spend all day doing it. Yeah. Enter J.B. Yates, this nerdy guy with huge glasses. He is I wouldn't call him nerdy what would you call him eccentric okay eccentric he's like kind of an oddball right and I think he'd probably call himself that yeah I agree he is a unlikely looking drug dealer and he's not what you think of when you're picturing a drug dealer and at all I was shocked he looks like he might be working the concessions the movie theater but maybe an art house movie theater yes 100 percent and knows a lot about movies yes a lot a lot yes so she would buy small amounts of pot from him and owed him twenty dollars and people are saying that the scuttlebutt thank you dennis was that he killed her over twenty dollars and he tells police, she had already paid me back. But of course, there's no receipt. Drug dealers need to start doing receipts because of datelines. It would really be helpful. He says, and use like a Stripe payment system. And mm-hmm. then we could track the whole thing. 
people, he says, you know what? People owe me way more than 20 bucks. I wasn't worried about 20 bucks. And I was thinking, don't brag about that, JB, on TV, that you were that kind of drug dealer, that people are walking all over you. You are clearly not a threat. You look like you work at an art movie house and you're letting your clients owe you lots of money and not breaking any kneecaps. I feel like I would be more threatening as a drug dealer. I need to coach him, like not to get walked all over. I don't know, though. I don't think he is. I think he's one of those guys that he'll do something real scary and then you just don't mess Erratic. Like you think he's that nice. And then one time he will like... He comes like to the door with a machete. Yeah, exactly. He's not threatening with it. He just has it. And it's like, well, why does he have that right now? And he's like, this is my pet. Yeah, this is Archibald. Yeah. And maybe he does keep also a fairly dangerous pet. I think he has a large iguana and a snake. A big snake. Yeah. Yeah. So the man who started the rumor that JB was the killer is terrifying as well. Chris Cantrell. His mugshot is him grimacing at the camera with random cuts on his face. Like he is just going to reach through the camera like the girl from The Ring and attack Dennis. Maybe. Keep him away from Dennis. Yeah. And Chris was bragging to people that he was involved in Rebecca's death. He sold his car and he told the buyer, if you find body parts in the car, well, thank God you had my car destroyed before police come to look at it. So, of course, the buyer tells this to the police. So they talk to Chris and he says, no, I was just joking. I love Rebecca. She was like family to me. He's very suspicious, but he doesn't really have a motive to hurt Rebecca. She was like family to me? Yeah, how do she they know each other? Exactly? There's a lot of sketchy characters. Okay, all right. She was a wild child. So there's no DNA evidence or good fingerprints that they can right. get from the scene, which is crazy because there was so much blood and so much of a mess. And I'm wondering if the police did not do a good job or why there's no DNA that they have that's usable or fingerprints. Because I think they can't rule it out of something that wouldn't naturally be there. But that does seem weird. Yeah. So the rumor Hmm. mill keeps calling in with tips and the detective Simons says, you know, the psychics and nutty people with nothing better to do but sit around and discuss this all day. I take exception to that, sir. How rude. You are talking about our entire audience and us. Yeah. Thank you. Months turn into years with no break in the case. Rebecca's, Rebecca's sister's. Becca's sister, Angela, says, it made me so mad. And Dennis says, what made you mad about it? He's just keeping the conversation going. Dennis, she's obviously mad about rising gas prices. So the dad is also upset and he tries to get all of the records and autopsy reports so he can dive in. They won't give him anything. He was a squeaky wheel. He hires a PI who gets nowhere, which is very disappointing. And I feel like we have a roster of a Date with Dateline squad of PIs like Marsha Marshburn and Sheila Waisaki and any other ladies that I can't think of, but I know there are lots of them. So Yeah, who did he hire exactly? Was it JB Yates? Is JB Yates also moonlighting as a private investigator? Because that But he's so conspicuous because he trips over things a lot and his car is totally beat up and like runs really loud so he can't follow anyone stealthily. I think he's also just sort of unmistakable. So the dad wants to change the law to get let parents get access to all the case files that the police are holding. 
So that's his mission. Hmm. Finally, in 2018, which is 14 years later, something happens. A podcaster who isn't us is on Dateline. Once again. No, they're not. Oh, they're not. Not technically. They're just mentioned. They're just mentioned. And I actually have more info about that later. (gasps) Yeah, drama. So I knew it. I knew that they weren't on for a reason. Yeah. Okay. They go pretty hard after somebody, don't they? Were they wrong? They no, were wrong. No, oh. there, but there's drama that I'm going to talk about after. I'm sort of uncomfortable talking about it because I don't want to like speak for anybody. It's for, it seems like it's a very messy situation. This but is it's all public information. This is, these, this is this what is I all, read. This we don't is, know yeah, if it's true. So yeah. listener sent me. So this podcaster, Helen Gone, is the pot. Hell and Gone. I need to enunciate more. Oh, boy, because I sure did think her name was Helen Gone <laughs> when I wrote <laughs> like it down. Like Eileen King, our Lean King. Yeah. So uh, hosted by Catherine Townsend, a writer and PI, I'm sure she would have been a better PI, whose family lived in that area. And a, fa- a man contacts her and says a co-worker had admitted to him that he did the murder. And that co-worker was Casey McCullough. One drunken night, Casey said, Rebecca rejected me. And I lost it. And the next thing I knew, I was cleaning things up. And Detective Simons is still working the case, even though it's been years now. And so they interview the coworker, And they're very suspicious of his story. He said that Casey had told him this eight years before. Why did it take him this long to come forward? And why now? Well, there's a rumor that Casey had slept with this coworker's wife. And he wanted revenge on Casey. The women in this town have a real taste for bows. Now, how many people live in this town? Not a lot. There aren't right. a lot of So options. this is going to happen, this cross-layering. Also, how many murders are in this town a year? A lot, I don't think. Okay, maybe. I don't know, actually. Could be just more than you think? Yeah, it could be more than of I think. Yeah. This? So eventually, more than six podcasts about the case are released, which is why... The in- industry is saturated, and please support a date with Dateline. Thank you. Yes, please tell a friend. Tell a friend, spread, share our post, give us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Now there are also like Facebook pages on the case, Reddit pages. It's become that state's kind of cold case that everyone's fascinated with mm-hmm. in that area, like Maura Murray or something like that. So the sisters felt distressed by all the scrutiny and speculation, which usually the family members do because they can, people online can be crazy. And mm-hmm. some of them are pointing fingers at the sisters, saying the sisters need to be investigated. Let's just do better, citizen detectives. I know you maybe have your heart in the right place and you're trying to solve a case, but do not slander someone and go after them. That is horrible. Man. Especially not the grieving family. So the lead detective, Simons, finally retires without ever solving the case, and it was his only unsolved one. He wished he had found that missing suitcase. We'll see. So it's now 2020. The investigator is, in my opinion, a DILF, a detective I'd like to French. Our new investigator? Yes. Special Agent Mike McNeil. No. who has his with the Arkansas State Police. He has a Matthew McConaughey in a Time to Kill vibe going on, and I liked it. That's good for you. But then he used some techniques that police use that I did not like. Yeah, I figured you might not like that. I did not see what you're seeing, but I appreciate your eyes. Thank there you. you go. 
He interviewed Rebecca's dad, Larry, and Larry was very impressed with him. That was good. Yeah. That was a classy move to go to her father first and be like, tell me what you want to see. You didn't love the last police. I'm going to, you know, communicate with you more. Which is the thing that stinks that because it seems like Detective Simons, the guy before, really was into the case. He just didn't get the the wrong track. Yeah. He went down a lot of tracks. He had a lot of suspects. He tried. It's not like he sat back and did nothing. He really, he focused in and wanted to solve it. Yeah. He just couldn't. I don't know if everyone agrees with that, but. It seems like from the dateline that he was into the case. Yes, it does seem like that from the dateline. Oh, I see. That might not have been the, oh, okay. So McNeil, the new detective, talks to Casey. So he says, look, at social media is all pointing at you, which, again, d- is destroying people's lives. He was cleared by the first police, but people are all online for years now saying that he's the killer. Mm. Watch that documentary about the Cecil Hotel people if you want to see some like very bad stuff that can come from aggressive citizen detectives. Yeah. If you're doing it respectfully, I think it's fine. It's just... So how do you respectfully accuse someone? Explain that to me. You don't dox them, you don't put pictures of their house up, you don't You're stir still up accusing a them of a heinous crime. You just maybe pose questions on a Reddit thread and don't like at them. Like, maybe you just don't do it on a public forum. Maybe you discuss it with your friends and if, if you have any hard proof you can post that but it's just yeah. like in this day and age you need to be really careful. Yeah. Like moving forward. I'm you not talking about that. You don't post TikToks then. That are like go yeah. saying things that the police have not confirmed. Don't do true crime on TikTok. I'm sorry. Can I say that? Do a lot of sure. people do true crime no, on TikTok? It's, it's not the forum for that. Yeah. Stick to Reddit. <laughs> yeah. So McNeil tells him, I don't think you did this. And Casey is so relieved. But McNeil does think it's someone in Casey's family. They owned that property where the house was, and many of them lived in the neighborhood. And he thinks it was sexually motivated, so he's looking at all the male McCullough family members. There was no forced entry, so she knew who she was letting in, also. So we're looking at somebody who may have been stopping by to see Casey. Exactly. Got it. Or came specifically to do harm to Rebecca, but knew she was there. So Mm -hmm. he eliminates Casey's dad. He eliminates a half-brother, Randy. Chris is the next brother, and he just asks him flat out, sometimes brothers mess around with brothers' girlfriends. And Chris is like, nope. But Chris brings up the other brother, Corey, who doesn't know if he had an alibi for that day. So Corey had later become a patrol officer. McNeil sits down with Corey and says, I have DNA from a cloth on the scene, your DNA at the scene. And Corey, who is a parole officer, is like, I don't believe you. I know what you're doing. I'm innocent. Let me go or arrest me. He's not having it. McNeil says, you know your old truck from that time? Guess where it is? At our crime lab. And Corey says, cool, I'm glad you found it. (laughs) He's like not playing and not going along with this. And McNeil says, yeah, I am too, because I think we're going to find Rebecca's DNA in your truck. And Corey's like, no, I know you're being, I don't want to be a disc to you, but you're being a disc to me and I know what you're doing. Back off. He knows McNeil is bluffing. And then Dateline asks on the Twitter poll, do you think police should be able to lie like this? Don't ask that question. Well, I say no. That's what I'm saying. It's divisive. I I don't know why it's divisive. The Innocence Project has said that it's really bad and it causes a lot of false confessions and states are slowly passing laws that prevent underage people from being lied to. 
Brendan mm-hmm. Dassey, but mm-hmm. e- it's still legal everywhere else in the country. But other countries don't do it. Like in England, they're not allowed to do that. It seems normal that they would not be able to question minors like that. Mm-hmm. That seems And correct. there's literally only a couple states in the U.S. that have laws against it. It's also why it's incredibly minors. important you have a lawyer in there with you. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Corey is ruled out. So... No, Corey also I thought was lying, by the way. Sorry. That's why I was asking what you thought. I thought he was lying. Interesting. Because he kept hitting the table. He did it about 10 times. He kept going to emphasize his point. And I was like, that's a weird nervous thing. I feel like you're lying. But he is a parole officer. And from like 60 days in and anyone who works in like with inmates and Mm -hmm. I feel like they get temper issues pretty fast. It wasn't even an anger. It was like a tick. I felt like it was kind of a tell. And then also, why doesn't he have someone in there with him? Because he mm-hmm, is a parole officer. Because he knows officer. better, yeah. Yeah. Well, because he knows he's not going to answer anything. Well, he also knows that if they had any evidence, he'd be arrested. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If they really had his truck and found something in his truck, right. he would already be in cuffs. Yeah. There wouldn't be a question. So McNeil is out for the McCulloughs, but he's running out of McCulloughs, except Billy Miller, the cousin that stopped by that night. And he had not been looked at very closely by the police at the beginning. It turns out when McNeil looks, he has a record. Two years before Rebecca was killed, he was a suspect in a sex attack on a minor. There we go. Ding, ding. This is frustrating because this is something the Detective Simons could have- Should have done at the beginning. Should have done background on every single one of the- And especially someone who was there the night before. Yeah, and knew she was staying there. Billy seems like an easy one also- it's always the creepy cousin. Yeah. The minute they said Cousin Billy came over, I was like, like well, it's going to be Billy. <laughs> so years later, he pushed his ex-wife and forced his way into her house, which would explain why there's no forced entry if he did the same thing. So Billy mm. is now married in the Philippines. He is an offshore oil rig worker who owns a large farm and banana plantation. There's always money in the banana plantation. He met his Filipino wife online. Finally, the 90-day crossover we've been looking for. Except is Billy Big Ed, Tariq's brother? Relative of Big Ed. I think it's a relative of Big Ed, too. But he makes bank. That, a, any of those dangerous oil rig jobs, yeah. you, make so, you work like a few months. Yeah. And then, I mean, it's something to consider as we consider retirement. Like... We just make a chunk of money and then retire. You think we're going to work on an oil rig? Just for a few summers. No, I I'm like no. I drive a Prius. Please. Can you see me on an oil rig? I know how hard you work and I feel like we could tough it out for like six months to make <laughs> no. retirement money. And then like to go to sandals. We could retire in sandals. We could buy sandals. <laughs> have our own sandals and call it flip flops. No. It would be called flip flops. <laughs> Come T- on, your favorite shoe. TM. I just Sold this whole idea to you and we're doing it. Great. So Billy has joined groups online like Reddit threads and Facebook groups from the Philippines discussing the case. Mm. So he's keeping tabs on what's going on from the Philippines. That's suspicious. Super sus. Billy does fly back to the States in 2020 to visit his mom. But when McNeil... During the pandemic? I know. That's when you choose to fly back from the Philippines to the visit Philippines your mom? The Philippines were fine to let you fly? How I know. How that work? So Linda, his mom, 
McNeil calls Linda and says, hey, have you seen Billy? And she's like, no, he's in the Philippines. <laughs> Mommy liar. And yeah. McNeil knows because he had him flagged at customs, so he knows he came to the States to visit. So then a few days later, Linda calls McNeil back and says, you'll never believe it. He is actually coming to visit, coincidentally. And so if you want to meet with him, we can do that. And McNeil's like, well, I already know he's here, but sure, yeah, I'm going to play along with this. That's fine. So mm-hmm. McNeil travels to Oregon, where the mom lives, and Billy shows up to meet with him 30 minutes early. Diabolical. That's suspicious to me. 30 minutes early? Yeah, that's suspicious. Why is he doing that? That's weird that you're early. Is that a Michael Scott interview tactic? Like when you mumble like this? Yes. And you, and you sit in a high forward? chair. This feels like a tactic. I yeah, just don't know Googles, what it is. Yeah. I do, we don't know these tactics. That's why we're not successful in business. Yeah, except, that makes sense. I mean, we have a podcast. But, but Billy runs a banana plantation. So, so Billy's read that book, that Michael Scott business yeah. book and knows. Yeah. No, I'm Billy looks like a schlub. He looks like a schlub. That's the best way I can describe it. He plays D&D, but not the fun kind. Like, no, he plays I Call like of Duty. D&D. Don't call even. Of Duty. He's Thank a Call of Duty guy. Yeah, yeah. He, he plays Call of Duty. He plays all first-person shooter games. Yes, 1,000%. Mm-hmm. So they are chit-chatting, and the detective's trying to make him feel at home, and Billy's like very chatty Kathy, and he's like, I live high on the hog in the Philippines. $1,500, you live like a king. Mm-hmm. And Detective McNeil says he thought he was the smartest one in the room. And I was like, him? He does? He owns okay. a banana plantation. Yeah. What do you own? <laughs> a Prius. Nothing. A Prius. So McNeil wants Billy to take a polygraph. So he really nicely, this is his technique with Billy. Hey, if you're ever back in Arkansas, maybe you take a polygraph for me. Obviously, we can't do one here. But if you're ever back in Arkansas, and he knows Billy never goes back to Arkansas. And so Billy's like, sure. And then McNeil says, oh, my God, duh. I just thought, what if we could do one here? question yeah you feel about that i think this is fine yeah so what about if it's not outright lying about evidence what if the rules were you couldn't lie about evidence that you're saying you have but you don't have like we have your dna yeah no this sort of is it's misleading yeah i don't think he was misleading i think he was just like he's totally misleading him i mean i guess he is tricking him he's tricking him so he can still say no he's not like demanding or lying he's just posing a question but I think you do play games with someone you interpret like is he the kind of guy I go tough with is he the kind of guy I go buddy buddy with is he a people pleaser so I try to pose questions that will make him seem like you know he'll be helping me out but that's not what this is this is him deliberately misleading him to get him to agree to it at a further date knowing full well that he has one waiting right so this but is Billy fully could say misleading. no at any time even if he had just asked him at the beginning Will you do a polygraph right now? He's just posing the question in a different way. I'm just saying, I feel like that this is where it gets into muddy waters with them getting rid of them being able to lie. I think there just needs to be restrictions on what they're allowed to lie about. Yeah, it's the evidence that they're that I don't like when they say they have DNA. I think that it would be reasonable to say they can't say they have evidence they don't have. Mm hmm. But they can do things like this, which is deliberately misleading. So deliberately lying to get them to go where you need them to go, but not about physical evidence. I think that makes sense to me. 
They yeah, can do I still like don't think of this as a lie. I just think of it as a technique on how to get what you want, which is what detectives should be able, they should be able to get what they want without lying. Got it. By reading the person and by, this is like, a, again, like a business thing. No, it's misdirection. Yeah. Which is a form of lying. So that's what I'm saying. It's like, I think you should be able to do this. Yeah. But the whole thing well. is an act. He acts like they're friends. He acts right. like he's interested in his life. Totally fair. Yeah. So Billy's like, yeah, sure. And he goes, oh, my God, duh. Maybe they have a polygraph person in town. Like, it's just a shot in the dark. Let me call the sheriff and right. see. Maybe they do. And meanwhile, the polygraph guy is like waiting in the next room. He's totally ready. And so Billy kind of gets nervous now. And he says, wait, am I a suspect? And McNeil says, no, no, I'm not saying that. We're just chatting about the Philippines, my dude. You're a king so living lying. on a banana farm. He's absolutely a suspect. Yeah, that is a lie. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you are a suspect. And I was like, get a lawyer, Billy. Why are you still talking? If a cop is acting like he wants to be your friend, he does not want to be your friend. Why would you think that, Billy, that he would want to be your friend? Because he wants some- to move to the Philippines, too, and he wants your advice? Get a lawyer. Good old boys. Yeah. We're in Arkansas. Yeah. So it is a kind of thing We are where- just being friends. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. the cops are super friendly to some of these guys. Yeah, that's true. So then he asked Billy if he'd give his DNA and not that he has any DNA to compare it to because he doesn't have any DNA. He just wants to see if Billy will. That's smart. Yeah. And Billy is nervous about giving DNA. So then the polygraph guy comes in and he, I wish he had done a big show. Like I was just visiting my mom at the nursing home. I don't even live in this town, but they called and I was like, yeah, I happen to have my equipment in the car. This is crazy. What a shot in the dark at Kisman. It just worked out. I wish it was a little more of a show. I think so. Let's all, let's play along. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the Billy chats with the polygraph guy who is, and he says he visited that night to see Casey and they just chatted in the driveway. And Casey was kind of like, get lost, I might get lucky. Like, I have a girl in there. And now he does add to the polygraph guy, you know, I have been in the house a couple times because now he's thinking about the DNA. And he says, also, my mom gave Casey a bunch of furniture and my DNA is probably all over that. My DNA is in that house. And for some reason, that grossed me out so much. It made me never want to go to anyone's house because their random cousin Billy's DNA is all over their furniture. Let's just all stay in our own homes, surrounded by our own germs, and just communicate using aura frames. Love it. It's almost Father's Day, and I've never bought Bob a gift that he hasn't returned, except for a Date with Dateline merch. He loves our t-shirts. True story. Everything else he returns. It is recommended by the Wall Street Journal and Forbes, selected in more than 130 gift guides, Oprah's favorite things. So if you don't like this frame, you're basically anti-Oprah. You are Chad and Lori Daybell, who thinks that Oprah is a negative 100 on the darkness scale. This is big, big words. I gave my parents an aura frame. By the way, the frame is gorgeous. It's like so high tech. It's so classy looking. My brother and sister-in-law were texting me as they were helping my parents set it up. And it took two minutes. Like I thought they were still working on it. And they're like, no, we went to dinner. Like we finished that a long time ago. And they sent me access to the frame and I downloaded the app. And I started sending photos and videos through the app on my phone right away. There's unlimited free storage. So you can send so many pictures. It's really private. You have total control over who has access to your frame. We went to a sporting event as a family a couple weeks ago. I was very confused. There was a ball, there were bases. And I was taking photos and videos of my mom who was dancing with my 
sister-in-law's mom and one of them might have been a little tipsy and they were spinning each other around during the seventh inning stretch and I took videos of it and then from the baseball game on my app I sent that video to my parents frame so when they got home it was like instant memories that's amazing and imagine if they hadn't been there and I was doing a really cool like a TED talk something cool and I had taken photos and videos and then they could see it from their house and feel like they were there Crime con. Crime con. They'll feel like they're there this year. They're going to feel like they're there. Mm -hmm. So right now, Aura has a great deal for Father's Day. Listeners can save by visiting AuraFrames.com slash date dateline. That's A-U-R-A frames.com slash date dateline. Use code date dateline to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frames. This deal ends on June 18th. So don't wait Terms and conditions apply. Cannot recommend this enough as a gift. It literally will bring a family together. It's a beautiful, beautiful gift. And you know what? I love Aura Frames. (laughs) And you should too. Check them out. Thank you, Aura. We're so excited. Thank you. So the detective, also a PS, I'm thinking when I finally get my van, I won't have wall space for decorations and photos. It's perfect. I One thought or of that. a frame. I thought of that. Constant mm-hmm. digital rotating photos that people can send me. But you can also like download your own pictures. Yes. Too. You can send them to yourself Absolutely. of like pictures that you love. Yes. That, yeah. No, I'm trying to digitize. My mom has, I'm not going to tell you how many Rubbermaids, big ones, the big ones. Mm. Filled with loose photos. The project of the next few years is to get them digitized. Yeah. Yeah. And I think an aura frame would be perfect for her too. Yeah. So the polygraph guy is listening to Billy explain why his DNA would be in the house. And he's also doing the thing like we're best friends. He's like, oh, that cool. That totally makes sense. We're just buds here. Hey, um, how much does it cost to live in the Philippines? Is there banana plantations there? Tell me, what's your life like? Mm-hmm. So they're all, and Billy loves like chit-chatting with new friends. So then he takes the test and he fails. And then McNeil comes in and does his old routine that he did with Corey and does, hey, look at this photo. Do you recognize this truck? I found your truck. And there's DNA in it. There is that biological evidence lasts for decades. And Rebecca's blood is in your truck. McNeil is hot because he's hot, but he's also hot because his pants are on fire. He's a liar pants, which I know is legal, but I don't really agree with it. Billy, get a lawyer. Why aren't you getting a lawyer? So Billy yeah. says, I didn't There needs kill. to be something posted in these rooms, like something big that's like at any time you can ask for a lawyer. Yeah, because I don't think they hear it when they're get, reading their Miranda rights. You're just like not listening and then you have to sign something and you're like not reading it like the iTunes contract. And it's just I, you're not right. And suddenly it. you're getting a bunch of weird phone calls. Yeah, honestly. No, I think that there is there something posted that on large the, enough like a you cookie cake see. that says I want a lawyer from Yellow Jackets. Or maybe there's a paper left with you. Right. Like something that's someone writes it on your hand in Sharpie. So it's just a constant reminder that just says you can at any time. You're not if you're not under arrest. Yeah, you can leave the room. You can leave. Yeah. Yeah. So Billy says, I did not kill her, but I don't know who those people are. There we go. Boom. So he says (laughs) early that morning he was hunting on the property and he saw two men, a white vehicle and these guys. One of them had gloves on. 
And Billy, they were on the back porch. Billy goes into the house to see what's going on, which does not seem like Billy. He does not seem like a brave guy that is like going into a house with strange men in it. No. He sees the men flee in the car. And at this point, he stops and he asks for his mom. He's very close to his mom, Linda. And in a pivotal moment that I still don't understand why is so pivotal, but it becomes a big deal. McNeil decides to stop the interrogation and let him go talk to his mom, even though it goes against everything he's taught. And at this point in his interview with Dennis, McNeil gets so upset about this mistake that will haunt him his whole life. And I don't know why he starts crying and he takes a sip of water and then he needs to walk away from Dennis. And when he calms down, he says, this case has consumed my whole life and I get emotional because of this huge mistake. So, A, okay. I don't understand because A, you have to let Billy go talk to his mom, right? Because he has not been arrested. But he's about to be. But he's free to leave at that point. No, he's about to be arrested, right? Maybe. I guess. I I mean, I guess he was Mirandized by the polygraph guy we find out later. We haven't found that out yet. But I don't understand why it's so pivotal because the big thing is he could have left, but he comes back. Billy chooses to go back into the interrogation after talking to his mom. So what why are we was missing here? Such a pivotal mistake. What did you think was about to happen? When he like gets up and Dennis is like, but then something happens in our interview. I thought he was whole- going to leave and decide he wanted a lawyer and not talk anymore. Okay. And I thought that he was either going to lunge for McNeil mm. and was going to get killed by other officers because he tries to kill McNeil in the interview room. Oh my God. I thought he was literally getting a weapon. For some reason, right. in my head, it was a movie. Yeah. And he was getting a weapon from his mom. Right. So he had gotten a pin or something, or he was going to try to kill himself. Right. In that the is station. another thing that I could see happening. And I'm sure that has happened. Yeah. I thought one or e- either one of those, but it's not, but he had a weapon now. That right. was my thinking. Is like, this is what they're building us to think because yeah. McNeil is crying and leaves the interview. And you're like, what happened? Like, has, I thought he was having everything. a panic attack. I was like, what's going on? Yeah. So Billy, he lets Billy talk to his mom and McNeil is watching and Billy whispers something in her ear but McNeil can't tell what it is. And then Billy, again, is not under arrest yet, so he's free to leave, but he actually goes to sit down with McNeil. And then I guess, and then his story changes, but it changes in like a way that's better for the cops. So that's why I don't quite get what the huge mistake was. If he's the like, tr- you never let someone leave the interview room. Ever, and he cries because he did this huge mistake. But Billy was saying that other guys did it and he just happened to be there. And then after talking to his mom, he confesses. So he if doesn't you're, talk to his mom. He just whispers something to his mom. He tells but, her he loves her. Or he says... No, in, according I, to an article, I'm going to send you an aura her. frame. And, um, oh. <laughs> you're, you're, well, according to an article, gift. what he claims is that he said, I love you. Yeah, I could see that. Or I'm sorry for what's about to happen. Well, according to this article, they think she already knew. I think that's totally Which possible. is why it would be like, this is their code of mom, bring I'm, me a weapon. Right. Mom, I'm calling you from the station. Right, right. Bring me the Swiss Army knife yeah. or whatever. I don't know. So, but if you're a detective, you want a confession. So 
him saying he was just there and he saw some guys and he doesn't know who those guys are is not good. It's getting you closer, but it's not good. But then when he actually confesses, that's like a step up if you're from the detective's point of view, right? right? That's not a mistake. Unless the truth is that he didn't do it and he did see some other guys, then you're getting like a false confession, which is a huge mistake. But from his perspective, he thinks that he just is now getting a confession. So it was a win-win to let him go talk to his mom. Is there a part of the story we're missing? There must be. It's so confusing. If is it because he it. showed weakness in allowing him to see his mom? But it like didn't a, do anything. It was fine. We don't like, care. No one cares. Do people care? Did the defense team care? No. Were, were they like, oh, there see, is a problem later on with the Miranda, but that has nothing to nothing do with to this Nothing to do with part. this. I'd hate to question Detective McNeil, but something's off. Yeah, I don't, maybe I just he's don't. just worried like it could have gone really bad. And so that's why it bothers him that it could have been this huge mistake. He could have killed himself. He could have brought a weapon. He could have just decided to get a lawyer and it could have ruined the whole case. Has nothing ever gone wrong for him? Worse than this? Right. Okay. Maybe he's just really sensitive. Maybe. Maybe. So Billy says, I did it. And he says, everyone I'm associated with is a victim of me. And I played everyone as a fool. And he says, you've got my DNA. You know, I did it. So that's part of why he confessed, because he thought they had his DNA, which is why I think you shouldn't be able to say that. So So the question is, would he have been able to get this confession out of him without that part? Right. Because that's what he's using. But is it a good confession if someone... Right. So this is why that question is... This is a hard question. It's a very hard question. Mm -hmm. So he says, what happened was I knocked on the door that morning and Rebecca answered. I asked to use the phone to get inside And he says, I kind of already knew what I was going to do. Rebecca went to the bedroom. He paced in the living room. He grabbed the piano leg that had fallen off. He goes into the bedroom and she's asleep. He remembers hitting her twice. The piano leg broke. He says he doesn't know why he did it. It wasn't sexual. It was a light switch that went off. He was angry, but he doesn't know why he was angry. He realized she was still alive. So he used a tie to strangle her. He flipped the mattress. He put some of the bedding in the laundry. He put some of the bedding in the suitcase. He knows all the facts. So, like, I was very suspicious of this confession and why he has no reason and no explanation. But he does know, like, about the piano leg. He knows about the missing suitcase. He knows about the mattress was flipped over, stuff like that. So So she let him in or no? Yeah. He said, "I'm I'm Billy. I'm the cousin. Remember from last night? Can I use the phone? And so she just goes to sleep like from zero to 100. She was tired. She got that. She had to get up to take Casey to Sonic. And so she got that sandwich and then put it in the microwave and then went back to sleep. They said that she did that all the time. So I wouldn't go to sleep with someone in the house. If you let someone in the house and you just lay back down, you're not out. Right. So I guess it's just I think maybe the more accurate description would be she was lying down. Yeah. Not she was asleep. I think it makes him look a little better to say she was asleep. Right. But I don't know yeah. if that's true. I don't, I don't even know if she was even laying down, if that part's true. There is some There is some squabble about that as well. Interesting. I mean, to me, I could never fall asleep with a strange dude in my apartment. No, so, not at all. So no, a he, cousin, let alone a cousin. Yeah. Cousin named Billy. Never He's know. arrested. And he tells them where he put the suitcase in the woods and they find it. So that's another, in case you were thinking this is not real or he has no involvement, he knows where the suitcase is. 
And it's the detective that had almost retired that had wanted that suitcase so bad, who is the one that is searching for it. And he or he's the one who comes across the suitcase during the search in the woods. But Billy's defense says he didn't get read all of his Miranda rights. The polygraph guy read him the first three and then Billy interrupted with a question and the guy got distracted and he never read the fourth one about if you can't afford an attorney. This bad. That's bad. Billy and none of the cops who were watching noticed, which that's not great either. Don't you have to sign your Miranda rights? He did sign. So what happened, he pleads not guilty. The pros- We meet the prosecutor with the most severe white little broom of a mustache. It looked like a mini broom. It's what we call push, tight, uh, tight push, and right. Tight and right. And he says, I was worried everything was going to be thrown out. There's a hearing. And because Billy signed a document acknowledging the Miranda rights, the judge says, okay, he knew his Miranda rights. His confession is good. They make a deal with him and he gets 40 years with a chance of parole. Casey makes a statement that his heart goes out to Rebecca's family and he thanks everyone who stood by his side all those years, despite the whole internet and probably the town thinking that he did it. And we see this moment from Billy during his interrogation after he confessed and he asks McNeil, do you think I'll have the chance to apologize to Casey? And Mm -hmm. he says, yeah, I think you will. After Billy's Uh sentencing, Rebecca's sister, Danielle, who we didn't meet, passed away from cancer, which is just horrible. Poor Larry, the dad. He's still trying to get Rebecca's law passed. And he reads what he read at Billy's sentencing to us, which is just so sad about finding her killer. And he looked at heaven and said, promise made, promise kept. And it was just brutal. Oh, yeah. And... Billy has a chat. I watched this behind the scenes, like video footage from Dateline on Twitter. And after the sentencing, Billy spoke to her family and he told he kept rewriting the story, like how he was kind of the hero, how he tried to do CPR on her to save her after he hit her. And the police say anything about crying. No. In the article that I read, it's like my DNA would have been all over her shirt because I was crying so much. Mm. So he's still confessing that he did it. He's just changing the story to make himself look like more of a hero each time. He needs to be more more sympathetic. Yeah. Yeah. And the police listened to all of his phone calls and apparently he was constantly rewriting the story to make himself sound like it was more of an accident or he was actually not that bad of a guy and things like that. Yeah. So should I do the stuff that's the messy, messy? Yeah, let's do it. So a listener sent us this stuff from this Facebook page. This is from a Facebook page? The unsolved murder of Rebecca. Big caveat. This is from a Facebook page. Yeah, but Mm -hmm. it is from this post is from an administrator on the page, Jennifer Buchholz, who is. Oh, um, yes. You know who she is. Uh Uh-huh. So. I've seen some stuff from her. Okay. So. She is mad at Dateline. So she says, so Dateline will be covering Rebecca's case and the episode will air June 2nd. I want to explain the situation that occurred with this show now that it's public knowledge that I spoke to William, a.k.a. Billy. The ASP, District Attorney's Office, and Izzard County Sheriff Department all told Dateline they would not cooperate with the show if Catherine, that podcaster, George, not sure who George is, or myself were included in the episode. Although Dateline will deny it and literally lied to Dr. Gould when confronted, they obliged. 
and took us out of the show. Instead, they gave Rebecca's sister, who completely obstructed justice in Rebecca's case, which sister? And Dennis Simons, who was that first detective, a platform to speak. When Dateline found out I had been communicating with William, who I think is Billy, William informed them of that, not me. They came crawling back wanting an interview. I said absolutely not and declined. Just wanted everyone to know the truth of what went on behind the scenes. And here's my question. Why are all these people so scared of us? To these entities, you will never silence us no matter how hard you try. You only continue to make yourselves look horrible and guilty of a cover-up. You're doing such an injustice to Rebecca and her father. So then the father posted... This is not my story. I had no control over editing. So this is a version as allowed by Arkansas State Police, who informed one media company that in order to gain the cooperation of L.E., they would not be allowed to interview and use the airing George Jared, who is the author and true crime expert, whose first journalism assignment was Rebecca's murder, Catherine Townsend, the Helen Gone podcast series, or Jennifer who is the professor and expert criminologist. These three experts, along with my own complaints, were instrumental in forcing the Arkansas State Police to replace the longstanding investigator, Dennis Simmons, who spent a decade or more focused on the wrong perpetrator, with special agent Mike McNeil. Mike solved the case in eight months instead of 16 years. Problem is, it is not solved yet. Their entire rendition of what happened to my daughter is incorrect. We hope that the true story of what happened to Rebecca is not far off from becoming public knowledge. William Miller is in prison based solely on his confession and not facts or DNA. William Miller was complicit along with others, but they remain free. We want the case reopened and more arrests made. Dateline has assured me it will amend and provide future updates as facts are known. Say the so, last two sentences again, one more time. We want the case reopened and no, no, more- right before that. William Miller was complicit along with others, but they will remain free. Okay. But they remain free. We want the case reopened and more arrests made. Dateline has assured me it will amend and provide future updates as facts are known. So the family, or at least the dad, and it seems like some of these other investigators think that there were other people involved and that Billy maybe wasn't, didn't do it, but is complicit. Okay. So this is from And they're Jennifer mad at Dateline. Bush- yeah. Jennifer Bushel. This is an article on American Military University Edge, Revelant Insight by the experts. By her, and it, this article actually details very systematically the probable scenario, the cleanup, moving the body, missed opportunity to finish cleaning, Mm. importance of the laundry. Ooh, I'm curious about importance of the laundry. Oh, but this actually talks about what she was wearing. They don't talk about that in the dateline. No. So she was found wearing only a t-shirt and underwear. Mm. It is believed that she knew her killer because she was only wearing a t-shirt and underwear when her killer arrived at Casey McCulloch's house to confront her. She may have been napping, changing clothes, getting ready to get in the shower. The assumption that she did not scramble to put pants on when the killer arrived is an important indication that her killer was probably someone she knew really well and trusted. 
Or her pants were taken. Or her pants were taken off. Or her pants were taken, right. It just is very strange that Billy killed her out of nowhere without a sexual component. Now, he could be very well lying about the sexual component because you don't want to be an R word if you go to prison. So she does not ever specifically say who she thinks it is, Jennifer. I'm wondering if she does. So she has like five articles on But she on thinks here. other people were involved in maybe the cleanup. If Billy was involved in the cleanup, like if he was complicit as what they said on Facebook, that would mean it was someone in Billy's circle, which is not Justin. That would mean Casey or one of the McCulloughs or these douchebags that Billy was around and helped them clean up. And that is what complicit means. Why would Billy confess? Take the rap. I don't know. And I feel like Billy would have come, would have said this by now. That loyalty, that boy's loyalty, family. I don't know. I'm going to read this article, though. I'm really curious about what this woman says, but I don't understand why she thinks Dateline. Why wouldn't Dateline want to know any of this? I think she thinks that Dateline is hoodwinked by the police department because they wanted those interviews. And they knew that this group of people, these three people are very critical of the police and made it look like they think the police were incompetent for many years. And they don't, but Dayline usually has no problem showing incompetent police. That's the thing is they do that. They do it all the time. If the police department was bad, they will say they were bad. So that's what part doesn't make sense to me. So they're mad that they told the case wrong. That actually this is part of it. No, that they wouldn't talk to these people because the police made these demands and they feel like Dateline chose these people's interviews. No, but also this version. This it version sounds of like events. Because these other three people have a very different, different version, of, version events. of events. Now they're saying Dateline denies this. So obviously we're pretty loyal to Dateline here. But yeah, we're incredibly loyal to them. And I do think they're pretty ethical in terms of it news program and most of the time family members are really happy with the way the story is told i've also not known dateline to to bow to demands exactly sort it would be very very strange of them to do that yeah but i'm not saying these people are lying i'm just i don't know if this is all a misunderstanding or if there was some shenanigans going on but the shenanigans seem to be i don't think that dateline would back down from interviewing someone Mm mm-hmm because the police said, well, we just won't do it. We'll give right. you nothing on this case. Dayline has a lot of cases. And they, they don't, don't have to do, cover this case. Yeah, they're not going to, they don't pay for interviews. And I don't think they let people say, well, I'll do it if this, this, and this. It's sort of like, no, you're either coming on the show or you're not. That's how it's always been. So it's very strange that they would want these police interviews so badly. Yeah. Like they want that Simon's guy so badly. They could just tell the story around him. They exactly. don't have to tell him. Is it Simon's they want so badly that they're... That doesn't make sense. It really doesn't make sense. But it also seems like there's another story here, which I'm very curious about. It seems like there's a whole other And the dad, Larry, says Dateline has said that they will do updates as things unfold. So maybe they just didn't... S- Usually Dateline will say there's this whole new chapter. There's all these other... You know, there's... Stay tuned, you know, for more. It's still unfolding. But they made it seem like Billy did it case closed. They did. George Jared is who? Podcast. Yeah. He, oh, sorry, you were asking me a question. George Jared is? A podcaster. 
Diamond he State Murder He is a author and true crime expert whose first journalism assignment was Rebecca's Murder. Catherine is the podcaster, and Jennifer is a professor and expert criminologist. I guess I'm just wondering, too, why they just don't think it could just be Billy. Billy's story is a little weird. Billy's story is very weird. And then this other interview that I read, which is with a different journalist from who's covered the case from the beginning from that town, from that Mountain View like area, he's all over the map. She describes the interview because it's in prison. And it's like, if he doesn't want to answer a question, he'll start talking about something tragic in his past. Mm. And it's very clear. And he does do that thing where he's making himself seem like a hero. And he's not very clear on certain facts. Yeah, I I think there's a lot of holes right now. Mm -hmm. Oh, this is really interesting. Okay, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to poke around a little bit. Yeah, maybe we'll do an update or something. Yeah, I'd love to do an update. I'm sure people who are on these Facebook pages will tell us more about the drama. We didn't want to leave it out because I think it's important part of the story. But we normally just cover Dateline stories as they tell them, and we We do do we do normally. I'd also love to talk to Dennis. Yeah. I mean, Dayline tries really hard to tell the story. They really do. And they only tell stories that they can get the key people to talk about because they want it from their words, you know? So do you think that a lot of the interview was cut? Does the dad feel like his interview? Well, I don't know. That's why he was like, this is, I don't know how it's going to be edited. I think he posted that before the episode aired. So. Oh, well, let's see if they have any response to it. Because I wonder, he says this is not her story, though. He says, well, why did well, you do he it? He seemed a little, this is not my story. And I had no control over editing. So mm-hmm. this is a version as allowed by the state police. Is it also possible that they're working on other things and they can't talk about other things right now? And so they would not let that information be released because they're working on a, another part of this? Yeah, that's totally possible. It sounds like they were very secretive from the beginning and they wouldn't give the dad information. So if they do have other suspects that they think are involved, maybe they didn't want it. They don't want to tip off those other people that they're looking at them. I'm also going to say it seems odd that they would do a plea deal in this situation. A plea deal. So 40 years and you get paroled. Yeah. For like a rage murder Mm -hmm. like this, just out of nowhere. Calculated. Is it possible that they made a deal with him to get information about something else. Or other people. Correct. Or is it that they just felt like their case was shaky because of that Miranda thing, even though it had been ruled that it was fine? Could be that too. Oh boy, we got questions again. Okay, well, we'll see. Oh, CrimeCon 2020. Let's see if they're going to be at CrimeCon. Maybe we'll have to ask in person. Yeah, maybe these other people will be there. We got to go straight to the horse's mouth. We got to go to Dennis. Dateline is our bread and butter. We, we got to go straight to the them. Florida man himself. Dennis, I'm Dennis, writing you a letter. We're coming for you, buddy. Dennis, what happened? Explain this Facebook post. Why are people upset? Yeah. We know you didn't do anything wrong. No, you're an innocent baby angel. No. Yes, that's correct. Thank you. That was really good info. Yeah, you too. B-roll bonanza. Photos of Rebecca with her little dogs. So many little dogs. Lots of little dogs. Water tower. Water Tower, so many photos of Casey, just so many photos. Yeah. JB sitting around a fire outside, like in a backyard. Again, yeah, not a drug dealer. He's like in a suburban backyard, a patio. Or he's the best drug dealer because he would yeah, never. Yeah, maybe. JB's eyes in the rearview mirror. Oh, my God. Did you miss it? Yeah, I did. We get the rearview mirror shot. Uh, the rearview uh-huh. mirror shot. Oh, boy. The detective standing by a green river and he's doing like a Keith lean. 
Yes, he start. You're talking about Simmons, Simons, Simons, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. he's doing a lean back on his rear, on yeah. his keister, and we get another lean from Detective McNeil, Special Agent McNeil. Yeah, but it's both arms, so I feel like it doesn't count as a Keith lean, and it's a lean forward, not oh, a lean back. Yeah. He's resting forward. He's resting forward. Mm-hmm. Also, he sits at his table covered in headshots, like his casting so couch table, yes. so many times. Mm-hmm. He has just a million eight by tens printed out. Did you get a look at detective? Or is it special agent? Can I call him Detective McNeil? I, Mr. It's, McNeil. It's special agent McNeil. I think. Okay, special I just, agent. I demoted him to detective. I guess. Uh, special agent McNeil's laptop. What about it? In his office. I don't know if it's a case or what's on it, but it literally looks like it's top secret army. It Ooh. looks like it has a metal case around it. Oh. It's bananas. I'll try to get a screenshot. It looks like something that would be in a Marvel movie. Yeah. That's how intense it is. It holds top secret yeah. military information. I don't know if it's just a really clever, you know, film or whatever on the front, but it looked bananas to me. We get a lot of water. Casey's friends, the two, Lauren and Philip, who I loved, mm-hmm. are on. Did you see it's like a little bridge? And then it's like a little deck that sits out over the water. It's very pretty there. So many mosquitoes, though. So many mosquitoes. I was just like, thinking you that. think in your head, no, like, oh, so this is going to be lovely. It's going to be lovely for two months out of the year. Yeah. Do you have any other B roll? No, that's it. Brands unhappy being on Dateline. Sonic. Yeah. Maybe. Yes, Sonic. Bows. Sonic. Small town rumor bill. Yeah. Fashion police. What about Laren and Philip? The two friends of Casey. I wrote that they were raised right because they're both dressed in polos. Yeah. Good job, former bows. They cleaned up. They yeah. were like, no, I'm not going to wear a t-shirt. Yeah. Good job. It doesn't have to be a button down, but it's yeah. a shirt with a collar. And they were clean. I, res- I like that a lot. Good for you. Did you have any titles? Rumor has it. That's good. The interrogation break. McNeil's big mistake. McNeil's mighty mistake. Oh, that's good. Because I, but I still don't know why he considers it a mistake. Now, again, if there were other people involved, if that is true, and he was about to get to the truth, and then they go to this break and he confesses to it by himself, that is bad because it's, you got a false confession and you didn't find out who the actual people were. But I don't think that's what McNeil thinks. So to him, it shouldn't be a mistake. So now that we're getting all of this weird stuff coming out right now. Yeah. This, is there something else there? I Again, don't know. We're not. So let's do McNeil's big mistake with a question Question mark. mark yeah. Yeah. Because I have no idea. Do you have any titles? Yeah. Razor get off Casey's back. But maybe not. That doesn't work anymore. So we don't know. So I don't know. Because of just... Razorback? Yeah, I didn't get very far with my titles. <laughs> I wrote dulcimer tones here. Yeah, uh-huh. Instead of dulcet tones. Yeah. Zero folks given. Because <laughs> this is a folk town. Yeah. And then it's always the creepy cousin. Yeah. It's a title. But maybe it's not. And a fact. He's involved. He knew a lot, though. He knew where the suitcase was. He knew about the mattress. Like, he, he either was there or he didn't. But there is a chance that he took the body. Yeah, he was the There is a chance guy. that he was the disposal guy. Yeah. But I don't know why he would take the rap for the murder. I mean, remember Mayor of Easttown? Yeah, I'm trying to remember who did it. I'm not going to say. I don't want to spoil Oh, it. I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there were lots of people covering up for lots of people for various 
reasons. There's a whole other storyline going on that we don't know about. Mm-hmm. Actually, it's that's like what it feels the, like here. It's a whole other thing that's like not be. It's not as clear cut as you think. Yeah. It's actually way more involved. Well, and also Dateline likes to portray the victims in the best possible sense. So even if mm-hmm. there were a lot of shady people, characters in Rebecca's life, Dateline might not focus on it as much. But we need to kind of know why. Like J.B. Yates. Yeah. Who was the other guy that you thought? Chris Cantrell? Uh-huh. No Scary. relation to him? Scary. Right. Why were these people around? She had. A, they said she hung out with a lot of wild, crazy people in that town when she was in town. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look this stuff up. Yeah. Oh, Mountain Dew instead of Mountain View. Sorry, I wanted to get... Okay. I wanted to get there. But with you that. got nowhere with Ozark. Yeah, I wrote Ozark. <laughs> I couldn't get anywhere. What, where should I have gotten? I don't know. You're the, the real Ozark. The Someone wrote on Twitter, secrets in the Ozarks. And Charles tagged us and was like, alternative title. And someone was like, that, that's the actual title. And Charles goes, I was clearly not paying attention. <laughs> he just o- thought it would be a good title for us. There you go. It's fine. I couldn't. And then I had. Oh, I did have Sonic Surprise. I wrote a lot of things down, and Sonic none of surprise. them crystallized into something beautiful. Secrets it's from going the to about twenty minutes from now. I know you'll insert it. It's fine. I might not. I might keep it to myself. Okay. Watch for the description. <laughs> yeah, she, you guys have some things for the puns in this. Sometimes they go there. All yeah. right. Thank you, everyone, so much. Thank you, Kimberly, for that excellent recap and outside info. Thank you. I have a feeling we're not done with this one. This is might be one of those that continues. It on. might be an ellipsis. Yeah. So thank you, everybody. We appreciate you so much, and please help us spread the word and get our show growing. Yeah. Please. Spread the word. And please support our sponsors because that really, really helps our show out. They have some great deals and we try to pick sponsors that are good, that are great for you. Yeah. We like all of them. If we're talking about it, we like it. Yeah. So I just want to do something with Razorback so bad. (laughs) Don't forget, Razorback and raise their backs too. Something. Razor your own back. Razor razor your friend's back. Razor your friend's back. I'm trying to get somewhere with it. Okay. Okay. Be your best dulcimer. (laughs) Bye, everybody. Thank you. Bye, everybody. I've never been in a fast food where an employee is happy enough that they're singing. Never. Oh, I have. You have? I have. I've also had a close family member that worked at KFC and told me all kinds of stories about what people do. They play games. God. Oh, no. Okay. No, it's fun. Like, they have like secret lingo and stuff. It's kind of fun. I mean, good for them for making it fun. My subway did not have that, which is why I Because every, so I know a 15-year-old that's working at Subway right now, currently, who desperately wants to quit because she is so sad there. So I think Subway might just be a really sad fast food place. And then they want you to do embarrassing things like answer the phone with a Southern accent and say, yeehaw, thank you for calling Subway home. Try our Southwest Chicken chicken Grill. Called the Kick and Chicken Barbecue Blast. I quit that day and had someone cover the rest of my shifts. And they were going to play country music and we were going to all have to wear handkerchiefs and cowboy hats. That's not going to sell any more sandwiches. And answer the phone with that accent and say Mm -hmm. that thing. It would make me not buy that sandwich. In fact, it does the opposite. Yeah. So if they're trying to tank that sandwich, bingo. Big fail. And I would have stayed at Subway for an undetermined amount of time. I was fine even with the meat. 
but I did not want to say that. And so I left. I have a great work ethic, guys. Mm-hmm. So, you do actually, so I'm surprised. But you, <laughs> you do not suffer fools. And no. I feel like that would that was a bridge too far. A bridge yeah. to Terabithia too far. Yeah. All right, go ahead. What happened to Possum Trot Toys is the third Google question coming up. What's going on? Why is it so popular of a name? It's a movie. What? Starring my mother. Why is my mother's name associated with this movie? What? I'm not kidding. I'm so sorry. It says Elizabeth. Beep. I'm not kidding. Okay, we have to watch that movie. Glamping Possum Trot USA. Oh my God, Old West Town Mountain Resort. Kimberly. An Old West Town? We're going. We're going here. Yeah, we're going. Possum Trot USA, Old West Town. Welcome to the resort. Where are you? I think Possum Trot is a really well-known expression or phrase, and we just have sounded like an idiot for the past 10 minutes. We're going to get in trouble. Because we're dumb and from California. Where is this? Where is this? Where are you? Just don't come and yell at us. We do not have anything called Possum Trot here in California. But we do have one in Winfield, Tennessee, which is two hours from my house. Okay. Let's go. Let's get on a plane. Okay. 